0: Welcome to The Naked Podcaster. Get ready to hear stories of someone brave enough to bear it all. Your past doesn't define you, but it does lead you on a path to today. Let's get naked. Welcome to The Naked Podcaster. This is going to be a very exciting episode. I'm looking forward to it. If you've liked what you've heard in the past, remember to subscribe and leave a review. Podcasters love having reviews. Makes a big difference to us. Today, I'm on with Miguel Dean. How are you today?
1: I'm pretty good, thank you. I'm pretty good, thanks, Jen. Considering the fact that, um, yeah, you know, it's fierce winter weather here and we're, you know, really in the, the, the depths, you know, long nights, it's just raining and windy and cold. And, but, uh, you know, you have to have the darkness in order to have the light. So That's we true. kind of do our best to embrace it all. huh?
0: And you're in the UK. I recently traveled to London for the first time. and it was very rainy (laughs) I didn't go there for the weather (laughs) let's put it that
1: way (laughs) no
0: No, I didn't I did not go there for the weather but it was really really interesting to be there I loved
1: Mm. it good 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 and it's winter
0: here we have a snow day today
1: yeah yeah okay okay well that makes me feel a bit better
0: yeah. <laughs> I'm misery loves company. Yeah. Your website is your name, migueldean.net. Tell me it's fascinating. Tell me about your website.
1: Okay. So I, I, I guess the, I guess the keyword for my website is um, sacred masculine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm really passionate about being uh Being perhaps, you know, an awakened man, a new man, uh, modeling a new version of masculinity, because I don't believe that the current model of masculinity is, uh, you know, I guess if we look around the world and see what's going on, and the fact that patriarchy has been pretty much in control of things for a long time, I I think we can do better than that. And I think a lot of that is uh, because we've forgotten who we are. And we've forgotten our connection with the sacred, if you like, with with consciousness, with, uh, with source. So sacred masculinity runs all through my website. Um, I guess there are some sort of like branches that, that come off that, that come under that big heading, which is, um, my, what I used to do an awful lot of, and I'm still very passionate about is youth mentoring. So I've, Mm -hmm. I've, I used to work with Disadvantaged Youth. I did that for many years and I still work one-to-one with doing online mentoring with with, with young men, predominantly young men. Um, I'm very much involved in, uh, I guess, the word uh, divine union, really. You know, the, the, the bringing together the twin flame union of the masculine and feminine within each of us. And mm-hmm. when I say that, you know, I'm not talking about gender, mm-hmm. uh, the masculine and feminine principles are present within men or women. So that's, a, that's very much um, also what my work is about, um, facilitating the process to enable people to, yeah, just to realize that union within themselves, balancing out the masculine and feminine that, that are within themselves. And that ties in very much to what what I call my sacred masculine healing sessions, Mm -hmm. uh, the one to ones, which interestingly are predominantly with women. Um, (laughs) And and, and that's because it seems that, yeah, the the people that are drawn to work with me are usually women that have had a, uh, let's put it politely, no, let's not put it politely, a fucking terrible time with men you know yep. they've had really um just sad uh, experiences uh, often linked to their fathers uh, and of course our connection you know with our father and mother often sort of creates the template for our future relationships in that we attract people with similar energies to mm. our you know mothers and fathers predominantly so that we can um resolve those issues through the mirroring of those uh, people that we those lovers those people that we attract into our lives so that's a you know that's a a big part of my work and woven into that comes kundalini sacred sexuality um and yeah just being the sacred masculine whether it's you know through my interviews whether it's uh sort of embedded in the the books that I write um or whether it is um in a lot of the writings I do a lot of blogging and I'm mm-hmm. very uh very active on Facebook My intention is to create a more beautiful world for for the children and the and the generations to come um and, and I suppose the the root of that if I just say this this bit finally, Jen was. When I was working with young people, I realized after a, a, a period of time that I was working at the level of effect. These, why are these young people so disadvantaged? Why are they so messed up? Why have they got no self esteem? Mm-hmm. And, and so I began to be drawn through my own journey, through my own story, um, to work at the, what I call the causal level, which is that if we have loving relationships between man and woman, and the children are born into those conscious loving relationships, then we're not going to get messed up kids. You know, it's, it's easier. It makes more sense to raise um, whole young men or whole children than it is to fix broken adults.
0: Oh, amen. And mm. how many, how many of us are broken? It's so interesting. Well, well first of all, on your website, you have podcasts, blogs, uh, interviews that you've been on, you have a wealth of information. And I love that in when you first started talking, it's not male and female, the masculine and feminine energy. I want to make sure I understand it well and make sure our listeners understand that well. Talk to, because all of us have both masculine and feminine energy.
1: Yeah. So my understanding of life is that we are We are souls. Uh, We are eternal soul spirits, having a human experience. We are. Our home is these, these flesh bodies uh, at the at the moment, and we come from consciousness. We come from oneness. We come from union, and so we incarnate here into these bodies to have an experience of duality. Mm -hmm. So we have darkness and light. We have up and down. We have pain and we have bliss, uh, and we have male and female and we have masculine and feminine so it, the from my own story and i guess just a slight aside it, it what 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 struck me in my own journey was that my own story is just a microcosm of humanity's story we're all sort of living different versions of the same story so for all of us our um, objective is to experience duality so that we know oneness and ideally come to this place of oneness while we're still in these human bodies. So the masculine-feminine dynamic is, I mean, it, I, I guess it can be generalized as uh, the mas- uh, the masculine qualities are more sort of active and, and pushing and, and out there, mm-hmm. uh, moving forward, speaking our truth. And the feminine qualities are often... Um, I smile when I say this. More passive, which initially, you know, it may be understood as, oh, well, that's, you know, that's that's less than, or that's not as good as the masculine. But I think we've lost touch with the value of passivity. We've lost touch with the value of receptivity, of surrender, of spaciousness, of stillness, because of this male-dominated society that's all about doing, whereas the feminine is more about the being. So hopefully that, you know, just gives you a little bit more um, understanding that the masculine and feminine and that we weave these together and that that we learn that there is a place to be still and to rest and to be and not rush into action. There's a place to listen and there is also a place to really push forward and and be um, action orientated and and, um, it's just a fine line of discernment of knowing when to do which
0: right because they're opposite
1: yeah yeah they complement they're yeah. complementary yes. opposites like the yin yang symbol is a beautiful yep. simple uh you know uh, sim- symbol of of what we're talking about both are contained within the other and they both weave and, and wrap around each other
0: now you showed briefly your book i'm a published author so we need to shout out to the published author i am always proud of people who have written a book and gotten it out to the public mm-hmm. yes and um, tell me so tell me about that it's available on Amazon the link is on your website we have all the links in the description so people will be able to get to anything tell me about the book it's very interesting
1: thank you thank you yeah <clears throat> I guess really it's it's the culmination of um, uh, of my journey and, and and in a way I need to just say very briefly the beginning of my journey was that when I was seven months old, my mother died. So I had this experience of the divine mother, if you like, you know, the embodiment of love, which, which a mother ideally is. And then it was taken away. Then all of a sudden it was gone. So this created a real trauma, uh, you know, inside me. And it was repeated two more times before I was five years old. So I was looked after by my auntie for uh, about a year after my mother died. And then when my dad remarried, I was taken away from my auntie. So I had the second trauma of losing the divine feminine, if you like, the the love. And then later on, when my stepmother gave birth to her own child, myself and my siblings were very much treated differently and pushed to one side. And that really was the third time you know, that I lost uh, I lost touch with the feminine and love apparently was taken away from me. Excuse me, let me just have a sip of water.
0: You're good. I, I keep my water. I have water <laughs> bottles everywhere. So this is interesting. We're automatically jumping back into your struggle. At five months old, your mother passed away. hmm yeah. I have a question because I... I've learned so much more about energy work and hypnotism and past lives. And I don't have as much experience personally going back in time much earlier than I was three years old. Mm. Do you have a memory
1: Mm.
0: of your mother?
1: No, I have no um, sort of mental memory. In fact, I have very few memories of my childhood because it was so traumatic. Uh, my stepmother became very angry and abusive and was quite violent. So I was in fight and flight state for most of my childhood. And I think what happened was that, you know, I just blocked out an, an awful lot of it. But what I have realized and what, what I realized later was that there was a body memory. There, there was a deep unconscious memory, <clears throat> which meant that relationships with women, as, you know, as I became a young man, were, uh, should we let's say, challenging, because deeply programmed in me was this this terror that at any moment she would leave me, and so oh. my romantic partner became the sort of you know the the the, the symbol uh, of the embodiment of love, but because of this deep program and this trauma that I'd been carrying all my life, um, it meant that yeah things were really. Really not easy at all, you know sometimes I was needy or controlling or angry and uh, I mean, I remember when I was twenty years old, my girlfriend at the time occasionally would go home to see her mom and she 'd mm-hmm. go away for the weekend and I would just be I would just be thrown into complete terror and fear and and and, at the, and I guess that was one of the reasons why you know i I got very involved in drugs and, and alcohol, and I used that to numb the pain that I was feeling but I I really had no understanding at the time she's just gone away for the weekend to see her mom I should just be able to chill out and wish her a good time and uh, you know and then she'd come back but it was so painful the emotions that you know the the trauma would be reactivated every time a woman left me and so yeah that you know that that, that's kind of like the next 20 years of my life really were a series of negotiating and navigating and coming to terms with actually what was going on and why relationships with women were so challenging for me
0: and i because i mean i'm i'm almost relieved that you don't have a tangible memory of your mom cuz i don't i can't go back that far any time that i've ever tried and mm. so when people say that they have and that they do i think what am i missing here <laughs> so I don't feel that way with you. This is great. But you also made a comment in your information that you sent me that when you were born, your mom suffered from anxiety and depression. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I I have kids. I've done a lot with um, midwives and the birth process and breastfeeding and helping women. And so much is passed on. I mean, that fetus Mm -hmm. feels everything. So I think when yeah. we're all born with our own personalities and we're already partially hardwired, so mm-hmm. much of that came from our experience during the pregnancy and the delivery. So I thought it was interesting that you pointed that out, that you were potentially mm-hmm. born with these feelings of depression and anxiety hardwired into you.
1: Yeah, yeah, its I don't know if you're familiar with, um, with attachment theory. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, attachment theory loosely, loosely says that you know, ideally, when we're young, we form a, a healthy attachment to our caregivers. Mm-hmm. Now, if we don't have that, then we end up with challenges like I had. There are two strands of it att- well, There are a lot, many strands, but the strands that really that I've explored are um, just the sort of basic attachment disorder that we're, that there's this fear that the, the, the caregiver will suddenly disappear. But what I've only, in fact, very recently realized through uh, my last conscious relationship, which was actually charted in the book, which is what the book was all about, that I also had what they call ambivalent attachment disorder, which was my mother was physically there for a while, but she wasn't really able to be present Mm -hmm. with me. So, you know, what, what I noticed that when a romantic partner wasn't really being able to be present, was kind of physically there, but had shut down or, you know, wasn't really emotionally um, uh, available, again, that would sort of trigger that, that trauma uh, until, until it was all purged.
0: <laughs> Which is a tough one. So, three, three mom, mother figures. Mm-hmm. Uh, your mom and then your aunt and then uh this was all before you're 5
1: yeah yeah it was a pretty uh I, uh I think when i you know when i when i was you know when i volunteered as a soul to to come here and uh, you know and they laid out okay well these you know this is the scenario i think i was looking out the window and not paying attention when i said yeah yeah that's fine, <laughs> I'll, I'll go for it, you know? <laughs> Uh, yeah you know it, it, it was yeah it was a good healthy dose but I see those things as my greatest gifts mm-hmm. those are the things that have led me to be able to do the work that I do those are the things that have made me so passionate about honoring the divine feminine the embodiment of love those are the things that have led me to this place to walk the path of of the sacred masculine and and right. to find that union, you know, within myself because I couldn't find it outside. You know, I think a lot of people sort of settle for codependent relationships and another person completing them, but because of the conditions and you know that, that had been set up for me, I, I couldn't do that. That wasn't possible. So that forced me to look inside myself the world teaches us to look outside doesn't it you know but the truth the mystics all say you know it's within you it's within Mm -hmm. you so that really um you know that 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 prompted me uh it it primed me to 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 look within because the, the the solutions the the easing of my pain of my discomfort my challenge Uh, I couldn't you know it became clear that it's not going to happen externally look within Miguel look within find the divine feminine within yourself find that divine union within yourself and work with that because Mm -hmm. let's face it real change is always an inside job huh
0: it is and I think that's and that's the hardest the mirror is the hardest to look at to place Mm -hmm. blame or find answers that mirror (laughs) image is Probably the scariest one your your stepmom was were things good until she had a child of her own did she become abusive after that's i'm tr- I'm trying to rectify mm. that in my brain mm-hmm.
1: I, I, I i don't know for definite um, but my what what I do know is that you, I, I guess it's important for me to say you know it wasn't just me that she took on she took on four children i had three brothers and sisters already okay. when my mom died she left four children so this woman took on uh, you know four children that weren't hers my father did the uh sort of typical um male thing uh, of his generation and he was out at work all the time and if he wasn't at work he was he was initially down at the allotment or he was jogging you know he, he she didn't get very much support. Let's put it that way. And I think my understanding is that she became, you know, although she knew what she signed up for, mm-hmm. we don't always really know until we experience it. And I think she felt quite unsupported and, and was sort of just looking after and bringing up somebody else's kids and, and really projected a lot of her anger and frustration that really he should have had more of at his, at his children. Yeah. Um, and, and, and you know, and I'd like to say that I have a good relationship with my stepmother now. I see that she was a part of the, you know of, of, of the movie, if you like, one of the characters that was set up in order for me to become the man that I am today. And so uh, I would like that it was different, that it had been different, but it was what it was. And I know that as most well, all people. Do the best that they can with the skills and awareness and knowledge that that they have at the time.
0: Which is the great thing and the hard thing. I mean, I know as a parent, I've given 150% every day. Some days that looks like I'm knocking it out of the park, and the other days that probably looks like a fraction. Mm. But I'm I'm giving 150% every day. But like you said, it depends on it depends on a million other factors that are going on, your knowledge, your experience, and yeah, I'm guessing for a woman who didn't have children of her own at the time that she married your dad, taking on four kids is a lot, but (laughs) she still did it. She might not have known entirely what it, what it was going to be like, but it's sad that her anger and abuse was directed at you guys and your dad was absent.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It it, it is kind of sad. Yeah. You know, and it's sad to see how all my, my siblings have, you know, it's sort of manifested in their lives in, in, all, in all different ways as well. Mm-hmm. You know, they all uh, have lots of challenges and, and struggles, you know, that they've been through, uh, you know, to, to varying degrees as well. Yeah. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't excuse the way that she behaved, but it does help us understand
0: mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think it's interesting as a kid, you don't realize till you get older that your parents are living and creating their own story the same time that you are and where they overlap is sometimes very messy. And -hmm. that was my experience with my parents. It does not excuse anything that happened Mm -hmm. remotely because decisions were still made that I am, you know, you're in shock, you're shocked that you were able, that this parent was able to follow through with this or allow things to happen or Whatever the situation was, but it is interesting as you start realizing that your stories are overlapping in a messy way. Mm-hmm. So
1: yeah, yeah, and 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 the I, I guess the gift in that is that I have made the choice to not pass it on, you know, because right that you know our parents' story and my grandparents' story, it's been passed down from generation to generation for you know for years and years, and I believe that we have arrived in this place in the evolution of humanity that we have a choice now to say it stops here. I don't pass this on to my children. There is a a higher, a a greater awareness, uh, consciousness. And so, you know, it's a really privileged place to say it stops here and all that stuff that was overlapped and passed on throughout all those generations. No more. It, 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 It doesn't, it doesn't continue from here.
0: And we'll definitely get into that part. I knew that that was going to be the case also in my experience, but Mm. I didn't have any idea what it would look like. Mm. And although I felt like I'm going to do a smashing job in comparison, I sure hope my kids take it again to the next level you know mm-hmm. yeah. because you you were dealing with a situation where you know you know you don't want your parenting or your life to look like that but you don't really know what you want it to look like either yeah yeah and we'll jump in there because you so you have an absent father you've lost three women you have an abusive angry stepmom growing up youngest of four kids and then she had children also correct
1: yeah she had she had one she had my uh, one son yeah
0: Okay, and then your whole life growing up was fight or flight, mm-hmm. which I know yeah. a lot of us can uh, can relate to, and the subsequent self esteem issues.
1: Mm hmm. Yeah. So very when low, very low self esteem.
0: When you left home, can we mm-hmm. jump into that part of the story?
1: Yeah. 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 So so when I left home, I guess the best description really is that. You know, I, I fell into a very shadowy world uh, because unconsciously, you know, I believed that I wasn't worthy of much, you know, that I, that I was unlovable, that I wouldn't amount to anything because those were all the messages that mm-hmm. I'd been given all the time, mm-hmm. consciously or unconsciously. Uh, you know, I, I attracted that reality into my life. And so I quite quickly um, fell into petty crime and uh, violence and drug abuse and eventually homelessness um, i mean i lived for seven years on the road uh, as a new age traveler uh, just sort of outside of the system uh, where where all that chaos kind of like took place and um, yeah they were pretty crazy times really and you know there were a lot of my peers at the time that that didn't make it through there were a lot of overdoses and suicides and car crashes and all sorts of crazy stuff so you know i always count my lucky stars that i'm actually here and i managed to come out of the other side as 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 that time of chaos and craziness and and self-neglect and self-abuse i was just doing to myself what i had experienced really it was was, i guess it was all that i knew really
0: well not only i think is it all you knew but If you don't feel like you deserve anything better Mm -hmm. and you don't really know entirely if anything better exists or what that would look like, that's a really odd space to be in. Even Mm. if you know you want things to be different, Like like I was trying to say earlier, what part of it is different and in what way? and so you basically made homelessness look good (laughs) you you were just a traveler (laughs) but it's interesting I bet at the time you probably thought you were a traveler and you know going against the grain and it probably seemed a lot sexier in your mind then where now you realize you were you were homeless
1: yeah yeah it it was uh, certainly at the the beginning it was very, very much uh you Know, sort of sticking two fingers up at society and, this, and, and the system, and yeah, you know, I, I it was unconsciously I was saying, I don't want a part of any of this that has caused me so much pain, and that has you know, that is that, uh, yeah, I have no no love for this. You know, my parents, the way they were living, and so on, were all part of that society, that system, and I didn't want anything to do with it. I didn't yeah. really know quite how deeply you know the, the the roots of that were at the, at the time but um yeah i think that that's that's why i that's why i set out on that consciously or or unconsciously until yeah until <clears throat> it all went a bit too dark really it all got really dark and uh i realized that yeah you know as i mentioned before i probably wasn't going to be around too much longer if something didn't change but for a long time, I didn't know how to change it. it it's all that I'd known. I had no real roots. My parents actually moved home, moved house, when I uh, just coincided with the same time that I moved out. So mm-hmm. there was no sort of, you know, home as in land or territory or place on the planet that was familiar to me. There was nowhere to go back to. And because I'd been living as an itinerant traveler, I had no roots anywhere. So, it, you know, yeah. for quite a while it was... I know this isn't working, but I don't know, I don't know how to change it. I don't know how to get out of this.
0: Your life was scary, but go into the fact that you have friends and people that you care about that are overdosing or having accidents or dying. Are there times that you, in the moment, were concerned that that could be you? Or were mm. you a little removed from that? Um, it's,
1: it's sort of both, really. It was sort of both, mm-hmm. really, Jen. You know, because on one level I was so numb. Uh, you know, I was so numb for, from from the, the the drugs, the alcohol, and so on, and the way that I was living. Um, I mean, I now realise that was to sort of keep down all the emotions and the trauma that were inside me. It was trying yeah. to sort of, you know, put be a cork in the bottle to hide that. So I didn't feel it. Uh, you know, as deeply. As I might have done, I don't think my empathy was terribly well-developed at that time. Right. Because I was still in fight-and-flight mode, really. It was so chaotic and there was so much violence. It was more about, I'm not going to get, you know, I mean, I was attacked with axes, with baseball bats, with all sorts of things. And it was more like, how do I survive and make sure that I get through this, really?
0: Which is crazy. But that's what you were used to.
1: Yeah, yeah. I I didn't know any different. I didn't know any different. I knew that it was a lot easier to handle if I was drunk than if I was sober. Uh, I was was aware of that.
0: (laughs) Amen to that, actually. Yes, it is a lot easier to handle if you're drunk. That's not the answer, though. But you're right. I mean, self-medicating and being numb to a lot of it, that's a hell of a lot easier to go through some tough stuff. And there there was never, there was never a conscious thought about, I'm just perpetuating this horrible cycle. You were just living in what was familiar.
1: Yeah, I was living in what was familiar, you know, and as I said, I, as, you know, as, as the time progressed and I actually got increasingly ill, you know, I became really ill. I, I was just, there was so much toxins going in my body and I was living out of, dustbins you know some of the time and so on i was food money any money that i got was for drugs you know if there was a little bit left over you might get some food but food you came by through other ways you know i was poaching out a hunting dog so we would go poaching and hunt deer or hunt rabbits or you know whatever to supplement um you know the diet but i i became really more and more ill and you know and, and it was It was easier to handle being ill when I was drunk. Uh, And so, you know, it became this real sort of cycle of um, it it alleviates the pain and the discomfort while I'm drunk, but I'm actually putting more poison in and making the whole situation worse in the long run.
0: It's interesting. I had a conversation recently with somebody here in my local area talking about the homeless population. And Mm. he said, food's easy to get there's mm. plenty of food out there for people who are indigent homeless that are wandering around that that's not an issue and i i thought i said really so mm. my my whole thought process when i hear someone is homeless is like how are they eating mm. you know how are you surviving and it was interesting to hear somebody just like blatantly say oh food's not really an issue yeah. and i thought okay well if you eliminate that as one of the problems then there's, then your focus is completely different. So you were, were you ill? What were you ill with? Or was it just the toxins like your body had to have been shutting down at some point?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I think we all have an Achilles heel. We have a, you know, you know, some people will get stomach problems or headaches or back problems or, 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 you know, different things. My Achilles heel has always been my skin. So, uh, you know, I I pretty much just became, yeah, just got more and more sore, you know, red, itchy, sore skin really that meant that I couldn't sleep and was just, you know, really, really not pleasant at all. It was mostly that uh, my when I finally went and visited a dentist after many years, you know, he was appalled and, and shocked and said, you know, we might just hopefully we're going to be able to save your teeth but your gums have receded so far that, you know, there's a chance that you're going to lose a lot of teeth. So, you know, yeah. it, 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 I was, I was just very deficient in, uh, in, in vitamins and minerals and yeah. all sorts of good stuff, you know?
0: Now from the time you moved out, how old were you then?
1: Uh, I was 18 when I, when okay. I left. Yeah.
0: So normal. Okay. So from 18 to 27, mm-hmm there's there's this nine almost decade period of time where seven years of it you're you have no place to call home and mm-hmm. you're not taking care of yourself the drugs the alcohol watching other people die you said that that relationship when you were 20 when it was just devastating that she went so you're having relationships and you're living in a lot of ways no, normal life you're mm-hmm. dating you're
1: mm-hmm.
0: did you work at all at that during that time
1: yeah yeah um there was yeah quite a uh, those days it was a bit easier to claim social security you you could get some benefits uh, you could get some basic money and still be moving around mm-hmm. but for, you know that was sort of like a bit of a backup thing but i did all sorts of different work lots of i planted trees on mountains in scotland i hauled mussels out of lochs in scotland i Worked on farms, um, you know, planting, uh, picking harvest, picking hops. I did some, you know, building work and laboring work. Uh, I sold drugs. That was quite a good form of income at the time. I'm sure. It was pretty standard, really, you know, to to help support the habit. So, yeah, there was lots of different types of, um, you know, work that was conducive to people that were moving around, you know, and you sometimes would get park-ups on, Farms and so on. You would you you would provide the labour, and they would give you somewhere for you to park your caravan or your your bender or whatever it was. So
0: it seems that that was a different world ago, huh? Yeah,
1: (laughs) yeah, yeah. It's pretty crazy, really. Yeah, sometimes think you know. People have said to me when I was sat on the streets, as I was at times begging, saying, "Could you spare some change?" If people have said. What I would be doing now and where my life was going, I would have said, "No, you're crazy. Like there's, there's, there's no way." Yeah. But I, I I like that, and that's a big part of the work that I do with people, is you know, small steps, consistently done, result in massive changes, and and that's the only reason that I am privileged enough to to be where I am today.
0: At what point did you actually go into a doctor and to a dentist? How old were you at that? Was that when you were? Deciding that things needed to change, or was it more urgent
1: yeah um, I, 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 wow it's funny i'm not sure that I've, I've I've thought about that that question, but I remember exactly now for the first time the reason that I went into the to the dentist was because I couldn't sleep at night because my gums were throbbing it was like on a cartoon sort of thing where they're going you know this great big red thing is sort of my gums were throbbing so much that I couldn't sleep. And it was like, okay, perhaps I need to go and see a dentist. Something's not quite right here. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and also, you know, one of the, I, I guess, you know, the big thing that began to facilitate the change was the birth of my first my first son, which happened while I was still living on the road.
0: Okay. So I know that you were 27 when he was born. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to get an idea of when things were happening or where. So you, you did. You got, went in because something was urgent. You had to go in. It wasn't like, oh, I'm going to be a changed man, and this is going to be yeah, great. Yeah. I'm going to get my health together. So you went in because you had to. Was it shocking when he said, I don't know, we'll, we'll try to save things, but I don't know that we can? Were you surprised by that?
1: i don't think anything really shocked me that, that uh, you know that much at that point you know as i say i think i was so numb uh, a lot mm. of the time um and and not just numb from the from the drugs numb because there was so much energy going into what i now realize you know suppressing all the pain and emotions and trauma of my, of my childhood so i don't remember it being you know being terribly shocked it was you know, it was just one more shit thing happening and another shit, you know, another shit day, really. It was like, right. okay, well, you know, let, let's see how we get through this one.
0: So, your son was born and you were still, this was during that time that you were um, homeless. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about how much that can change a person.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was the catalyst that, you know, I often say he was sort of my, you know, my guardian angel, really. He, mm-hmm. he saved me um i remember feeling very much that i was a boy in a man's body i remember you know i, I remember having this awareness that, you know as i began to come out of this arrive at this place where something has to change and i hoped that being a father would you know would be a sort of magic wand that all of a sudden i you know it would resolve all sorts of things and i would feel differently about myself but um it was it was the opposite really Mm -hmm. because what happened was of course you know my girlfriend at the time uh, his mom who later became my wife um you know had to give him all all her energy and and so there was a degree of trauma reactivation in that my partner no longer had time for me and i became needy and controlling and i was depressed and The drugs weren't working anymore, you know, they weren't numbing all the trauma and stuff that that, that then came to the surface, you know, as a result of, of my son's birth. And I remember waking up one morning and thinking, you know, I would be better off just leaving because what am I bringing to this dynamic, you know, he would be better brought up by his mom because I just didn't seem to be able to get a grip on all the pain and the stuff that I was projecting outwards and so on. Um, But in one of my conversations with my partner at the time, I'd said, if nothing else changes, and I tried all sorts of fixes externally, I'd said, if nothing else changes, I will even go and see a counsellor. So my back was to the wall and it was like, okay, you have two choices, Miguel, you walk away or you try this one last thing because you're probably going to regret it. And you'll always wonder if, you know, whether that would have made a difference if you don't give it a go. And I got in my little old van that I had at the time and I drove into the local town and I just, I I didn't know where to go. I'd been living outside of society. I went to a mental health place Mm -hmm. and they said, no, you don't fit our criteria. And I was passed. You go to this place the other side of town, go to this place, go to Mm -hmm. this place. And eventually, you know, the day was coming to an end and I still was no further forward. And the last place that I went into, they said, no, we can't help you. You know, don't fit our criteria either. But as I was leaving, one of their employees ran out after me, a, a lady, and she said, "I heard what they, what they said on on the desk." And, um. But I see a private counsellor, and here's his phone number. He might be able to help. And that was, you know, that was one of those just incredible, another guardian angel. I've had so many of those, you know, these little moments. Mm-hmm. And funnily enough, it's always been woman it's always been the divine feminine uh, that has just come you know out of nowhere um enabled me you know been the sort of dot to dot joined up the things for me to make the next step in in my journey so i went and saw this counselor with thinking how on earth is having a chat with somebody going to sort this mess out that i am you know i had no faith in it at all but I was, yeah, it was, it was incredible, really, because he asked me a few questions about my childhood. And so for the first time ever, I began talking about what had happened as a kid. And, you know, the expression on his face and so on made me realize this isn't normal. And this is connected to the where you are right now, Miguel. He listened to me and he cared. And it was the first time that I had really experienced that. And so I had all these light bulb moments, you know, where it was like, oh, my God, you know, I need to move into a house. I need somewhere safe because I've got a load of inner work to do. I need uh, there's something I can do about this. There's a solution here. It looks like it's going to be one hell of a dark winding road, but there's something I can do here. And I decided that in in that session to get married. I said, I want to show commitment. I'm not walking away from my son. And I also realized that perhaps I had some worth. Perhaps there was something I could do because I decided then I wanted to be a counselor. I wanted to be able to do for other people what that man had done for me. And so everything was completely turned around, you know, very quickly after just half a dozen counseling sessions. It it was, uh, yeah, a massive shift for me.
0: That's incredible. It's incredible to sit down at over the age of 27 and have and realize that no one's ever asked you these. I mean, were you shocked? It was great that you knew it wasn't normal. I understand that. And somewhere in there, I think for those of us who have gone through trauma, we at least want to believe that it's not normal. Mm, yeah. Because if it is, then my God, what's the point? There's mm. got to be something more different. But to actually go, oh, wow, this is not normal. And yeah. somebody, cares about me in a way that i feel like i have some worth to humanity i can't even imagine
1: Mm. yeah i'm not quite sure what to say to that either jen it's um yeah you know it's and yeah and i know that what i experienced, you know people experience so much worse and so much more and you know, it, again, it it has been my gift because it has opened my heart. It has opened my heart to the suffering and the challenges of other people. And it has opened my heart to, you know, to to enable me to arrive at this place where I am so passionate about creating a more beautiful world. We have to do it. it, it we don't need, you know, we don't need to be, to, to be living in this dysfunctional way and, and for all this suffering and trauma to be taking place because it is... You know, while we're having this conversation, how many people are going through horrendous experiences right now, you know, whether it's abuses or rapes or beatings or it's not, it's, it all comes down to the fact for me that we've lost touch with source. We've forgotten who we are. We've forgotten that we are divine beings and pain is a great motivator to wake up and do things differently. And, you know, it appears that that was, you know, I just uh, was gifted with a real health, healthy dose of it to really make sure that, you know, that I, that I stayed the course and I didn't forget why I do what I do and where I came from and, uh, you know, how that has equipped me with the necessary skills to, 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 to be there for other people. Because through, you know, in service to others, we serve ourselves because the truth Mm -hmm. is really there are no others. We're all interconnected. Everything is interconnected. It's only our limitations of our minds and our uh, senses that give us, create the illusion of separation. We're all like, you know, little individual cells in one body of humanity, if you like. Mm
0: -hmm. Your wife, so you married... And you have a son. Was she real supportive of this journey? I mean.
1: Um, probably not terribly because, you know, as, as the, the way it goes is that like attracts like. So I attracted a woman right. in my life that had her own trauma. She'd had a pretty fierce start to her own life. And so mm-hmm. she had her own stuff to deal with, you know, plus a baby to look after. It was like You know, a woman wants a man, really, doesn't she? She doesn't want a boy, another boy to look after, another wounded boy. So um, I think she struggled to a large extent, um, you know, to to be supportive. And, yeah, I didn't have the awareness that I have now, and I will have projected quite a lot of my pain onto her.
0: Which is the unfortunate side effect of that. And you're right. We like attracts like. We're misery loves company. And if you don't feel like you deserve anything more or different, then you're not going to, you wouldn't accept it if it was in front of you at that point. So continue on with this journey. You go to the therapist, you decide you want to make this monumental life change. Your son Mm -hmm. is the catalyst. Mm -hmm. So I know you ended up divorcing. Mm
1: Mm-hmm yeah yeah i mean we I, I i guess the you know it's the realization as beautiful as it was and and realizing that there was something i could do about this that pretty much at the same time as that happened uh, that was when i got really ill because for the first time i you know i opened up the bottle of trauma and emotions and as I felt those emotions for the first time, it manifested in my body, and, and you know, and I got really, really, really ill, uh, just you know, with all sort of skin stuff and my liver and my kidneys and right. I was so toxic, and uh, you know. So the beginning was this place of right now. You know what's happening now. Now you're on your knees. Now find your way back from there. But I did, you know, I I, I, I did begin that journey. Um, it led me to exploring all sorts of alternative therapies and mm-hmm. medicine and so on. Um, I, I, life brought me into connection with my first sort of spiritual teacher, if you like, mm-hmm. where I became yeah uh, aware of consciousness and this whole other realm, another, uh, other way of another lens of looking through, you know, uh, looking at life. So those things began to happen and, uh, yeah, I got myself, a. Uh, my first sort of proper job working with homeless young adults and you know for the, for the best of our ability you know I guess really for for about 10 years you know we led a sort of quite normal conventional life I went out to work and uh, my wife looked after the kids and I had a second son that was born five years later
0: mm-hmm.
1: and um, you know but in and in the background there is this healing journey ongoing healing journey and trying to find some sort of peace within myself, um, you know, at the same time as being a father and, uh, you know, having a home and a partner and all the rest of the stuff that goes with uh, the modern life.
0: Which is difficult. I know for a lot of people, it's what they, you check the boxes, you know, you graduate high school and you go to college and you get the house and the picket fence and the dog and all of that stuff. And then it's some, and that works great for lots of people and it's what makes them happy. And working for someone else, but for other people, there's either a feeling of there's more to this, or in your situation where there's trauma, where there needs to be more to this, mm-hmm. it, it's going to be different. So you're you had a great first experience with therapy, and now you're experience all kinds of well, that stuff is so exciting to me, where you go, okay, this word Well, what about this one? Well, what about like? Let's try this on for size, and yeah really learning more about you and what worked best for you so that journey had to have been incredible and then in the process you're working with the disadvantaged youth
1: mm-hmm. who
0: yeah. was you a couple of years earlier
1: <laughs> yes yeah in, interestingly yeah yeah and uh, you know th- and, and I learned an awful lot about myself through through working w- with them uh, they were pretty ruthless teachers as well because you know I thought that they I remember thinking to beginning they just needed some structure and some a bit of discipline you know and I was trying to bring in some of my you know dysfunctional parenting that I'd received and, and so on I it wasn't you know I hadn't realized about the the the, the softer approach and, and the feminine and, and the love and, and I, you know they really helped me understand I guess uh, the roots of my own pain and uh, you know helped me empathize and and there's that thing of you know as we help others it it informs our own healing journey and then Mm -hmm. you know and then we step up a little bit and we become a little clearer and then we can help others a little bit more and then the heat gets turned up a little bit more and 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 another learning opportunity arises so that was yeah that you know that, that 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 was it was tough work it was tough work you know you'll work a lot of the time you're working with with young men that really didn't want to be worked with, you know, and they had all sorts of issues and we weren't given the tools for the most part. You know, it was just about providing them with accommodation where, yeah. you know, they the didn't have the professionals and the the insight really wasn't there to, it was always just trying to work, what I, what I called, it was always trying to work on the roof rather than working on the foundations of the crumbling. That's
0: a great way to put it. That's actually, because most people say that you band, band-aid it. Yeah. um, And, you know, the roof needs work. Yeah. But not as much as the foundation. Um, that's a really beautiful way to put it. So you're on, and you're right. I mean, you know, I, I started my podcast almost three years ago or three years ago for a specific reason. Yeah. It's still the reason, but I had no idea.
1: Yeah, yeah
0: you know the people that you meet and that you connect with and how it would i thought i want to change things for others and it never occurred to me that it would m- probably mostly be about changing myself not yeah. not on my radar at all but that is true so i want to bring it i want to spend the last several minutes that we have talking about making that connection from where you were at that point 10 years into this marriage with the two kids mm-hmm. at home and working and still your journey is still progressing Mm-hmm. to where you are now with a business mm-hmm. and with this completely different light life. When did the twin flames, when did all of this start to make itself known to you and you go, Oh wait.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I, I you know, I was with my partner who became my wife for about 15 years. Yeah. Yeah. About 15 years. And, um, at about that point, 15 years, I fell out of love. It just became, it was just like, there wasn't really, we weren't connecting and it just felt like sort of two strangers Mm -hmm. because I guess to a large extent, it was two wounded children, you know, living in the same home, trying to bring up some other children. And my attention began to wander. Um, I was still, you know, thought that somebody else would complete me and, um, and I made the decision that I can see my attention is wandering. I'm attracted to other women. I need to get out of this marriage before I do something, you know, really stupid. Yeah. So I, I left. Um, I left because I wasn't happy there and it just, it just felt really unfulfilled and so on. There was nobody else, you know, on the scene at the time. But I knew in the back of my mind that oh, there, there must be, a, you know, love. I can still find love and it will come through through a romantic relationship so i spent about uh yeah i i had a couple of sort of longish term relationships after um uh, after my divorce and it was really uh, the, you know the end of the second one that there was this real i'm sick of doing this you know why can't i do relationships why aren't they working and i you know i, I guess i've been doing quite a lot of spiritual practice and meditation and so on but i hadn't really got to the bottom of the barrel until that point where i said okay i'm ready you know i i I get it i can't fix this externally no woman is going to complete me you know bring it on whatever it is that i need to do i will go to those places it doesn't matter how dark it is it doesn't matter i'm ready and so life said oh okay he's ready so it brought me the woman who is uh, because the you know in mm-hmm. the book the, the book is uh, covers about 2 years of my story okay and she because i made that deep commitment she triggered activated all the trauma i fell so deeply in love with this woman but she kept leaving me She kept abandoning me, either emotionally shutting down or physically saying this is over and just leaving. And for the first time when she did that, it just the first time she did it, it kind of reactivated a whole baby trauma thing. And I just went regressed back. Extreme pain. I couldn't eat. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't do anything at all for for about eight days. But I realized through those eight days for the first time I began to do it consciously. And I began to be able to, it was like there was a man and a wounded boy. And the man was increasingly able to say, this isn't about what has just happened now. Your girlfriend has just left. This is about what happened to you as a child. This is releasing what happened. And so I just stayed in the fire, if you like, and just kept feeling the feelings and the trauma in my body and just allowed myself to go through it, really. and so. You, because you know because I loved this woman so much, it just went so, so deep in, deep inside me till it reached the point after a, you know a couple of years that it was all, it was all purged. Uh, all the trauma because I consciously was able to keep bringing myself back to this place. This is a gift. The way this woman is behaving is a gift. This is doing something incredible, and it, the feelings that I'm feeling aren't just about the relationship that's happening now. It's mostly about this mother womb that is being healed. So that is, the, you know, that is what's documented uh, in the book. You this incredible, beautiful love story where there was so much passion and kind of discovered sacred sexuality together. And there was Kundalini activations going on and all this really incredible sort of synchronicities and voices. It's called Bring Him Home because she heard the voice repeatedly, bring him home in her meditation so I know that her purpose again you know the the, she was playing the role as the divine feminine to bring me home back to myself to bring me back to to heal the trauma to enable me to find that union within within myself so that you know that was uh yeah
0: wow and it's only a two-year glimpse
1: it was a two-year experience but it was because it was a twin flame experience a twin flame experience from my understanding and experience is everything is catalyzed massively and is loads more intense than any other sort of conscious relationship where we bring what i say is that a conscious relationship the purpose of it is to bring to the surface everything that is not love will be brought to the surface to be transformed and in a twin flame it's like, woo, one hell of a roller coaster ride. But I've been running all my life, you know. I've been avoiding it. I've been avoiding those, those you know, that our greatest treasure always lies in the darkest caves, the places where we most fear to go. But I've oh. reached that point where I was, I'm not running anymore. Bring it on. I, I will do the work. And this amazing woman um, facilitated that process for me.
0: So Where is she now?
1: she's um i don't know where she is is i guess is the honest answer we 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 parted ways we decided to go that we'd come to the end of the road the work was done um i am i think there's always an ongoing journey <clears throat> but for the most part i am home and i know that i am home because when we parted ways for the first time in my life there was no trauma it was there was there was just there was a bit of sadness that yeah you know I'm going to miss you but there was no trauma like I'd experienced every other time when she left or any other woman left it was a sense of okay so now it's time to even to continue to deepen the relationship with yourself and work on your divine union within yourself now you're at zero point now you're not there's no codependency now there's no looking outside for somebody else now you're at peace with yourself for the first time I was at, I've been at peace with myself. You know, there's no anxiety or peripheral sort of dread or I'm not complete or I need somebody else. There's just this sense of peace and and union within myself.
0: The website that you have now, and and that's what you want to bring to other people, Mm
1: -hmm. is...
0: So you took all your life experience and all your growth and poured it into, well, there was the book, and poured it into this website of information to now help other people with their journey. Yeah. Yeah. Who, Who should reach out to you?
1: Well, if it's female, then what women seem to appreciate most is... Through working with me, it rebuilds and it gives it regains their trust in, in in men, that they have a positive experience of being with a man who wants nothing from them. There is no agenda. He will listen. I I am pretty tuned, you know, and in balance myself. So I know when to push a little bit and when to be a little bit challenging, and when to be soft and when to listen and when to allow and when to just hold sacred space really and in that in that space healing is catalyzed you know and it, people need to feel safe in order to heal this is one of the things that I've realized and yeah. I can create that safe space because I have such a deep commitment and a deep empathy and a passion you know to, to be able to guide others out of the darkness into the light and to be able to find some union and peace within themselves so that's fundamentally the women that i work with you know women Mm -hmm. that have had a tough time not had good experiences of men women that that would like to have a a a positive relationship um but have found that they always seem to attract that you know the wrong sort of sort of man because their masculine is still wounded within themselves Mm -hmm. i will shine a light and bring awareness to what it is that they need to do differently within themselves because people it's quite hard to see it yourself. I have a perspective like a a sort of buzzard or a bird of prey. I can see, you know, I see very quickly what's going on and, and why they are behaving and why they're getting the results that they're getting with men. I love to work with men who want to become, you know, the sacred masculine who want to realize that the old model of masculinity is dead. It doesn't work. It's not serving humanity, and we need something else. And fundamentally, for men, it's assisting them to make that journey, that epic journey, from the head back down to the heart, back to the feeling centre, back to, uh, you know, back to the compassion, back to the body. Because society is, uh, I think, for women almost as much as men, has taught us to live in our heads. You know, big boys don't cry. We don't show emotions, and all, and all the rest of it. So, to help men get come back into their bodies and to find um, their hearts again so that they can begin living from this balanced place of head and heart working in union and the union of the of the masculine and feminine within them
0: Thank you, Miguel, so much for being on and sharing your journey. It was really remarkable.
1: Thank you for the invitation it's been yeah it's it's been you, you've asked me a few questions and and brought you know brought my awareness to a couple of things that, that i hadn't touched on before so i'm grateful and you know and i hope as i'm sure you do that this little bit of time that we've had together will touch some hearts and yeah. bring a little bit of healing to uh, some beautiful souls out there in the world